0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello everybody, it is Friday, October the 21st, 2022. We're having an airline day today, coincidentally, although these things always seem to oddly enough, in uncanny ways come together. Earlier today, I talked with Anne Hood. She has a new memoir out called Fly Girl, which was about her experience as a a TWA stewardess in the glamorous 70s when airline food was good and we all had fun flying in contrast with today. Um, In my conversation with Anne, we talked a little bit about um, the safety of flying, and we agreed rather ironically that even if we're all so miserable flying these days, it's incredibly safe. It's very, very rare for there to be crashes. Whereas in the glamorous 70s, when the food was good and the alcohol flowed online uh, on on board, uh, it was a much more dangerous business flying. Still not that dangerous, but nonetheless dangerous. That said, of course, there still are terrible airline crashes, catastrophes as they happen, because they involved the killing of the deaths of, 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 of numbers of people. There was uh, you know, quite recently in October 2018, the Lion Air Flight 610 that went down uh, in Jakarta. And then a, a year later, uh, Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302 went down. It was the worst um, domestic airline catastrophe in Ethiopian history. What United both these crashes is that the planes involved uh, were Boeing 737 Maxes, and that is the subject of our uh, conversation today with the author of *Flying by*, *Flying Blind*, Peter Robison, a very distinguished airline journalist. Um, it's a best-selling book. It's just out in paperback. The 737 Max Tragedy and the Fall of Boeing. Uh, Peter, who appropriately enough is joining us from Seattle, airline town, Boeing town. Uh, Peter, before we talk about the book itself, am I right to, to assume, and I'm a frequent flyer, so I hope I'm right, that flying is astonishingly safe these days?
1: yes it's it's gotten safer and safer every year uh and that's what made the two max crashes so shocking it was a brand new aircraft and within the space of five months there were two fatal crashes and it it led to a 20-month grounding uh so that that's really what the book is about it's trying to understand i I want to get into that but all these books tend and your book's
0: quite critical of boeing we in our culture we tend to be very critical of industries of companies should we at least credit the airline industry with manufacturing a, a aircraft that don't crash i know that the book is quite critical of boeing but the industry itself deserves some credit doesn't it peter
1: uh certainly you can you can look at you know there was one year when uh there were no fatal you know uh, crashes of a commercial aircraft so um, certainly you can, you can look at uh, the record and how it's improved. Uh, that wasn't the subject of my book, though. It was about how did this... Right. No, no
0: I, I understand written. that. But it, for me, it's an interesting subject. Um, and, and should the credit go to these companies or regulation or a mix of everything?
1: Uh, I think it, it's a mix of uh, both. And, and I think you know, the, uh, the thread that unites it is uh, you have people doing the right thing. And when people do the right thing, uh, good things happen.
0: Well, they don't always happen. That's the unfortunate conclusion of your book, Flying Blind, the 737 MAX tragedy and the fall of Boeing. What went wrong, Peter, with the 737 MAX? Uh,
1: What happened was that Boeing uh, did not uh, follow its own processes. There was a... Uh, famous statement by uh, the former CEO of Boeing, Dennis Mullenberg, who was asked what went wrong. Uh, you know, was was there a technical slip or gap? And he said there were no technical slips or gaps. Uh, we followed exactly the processes we've always followed that have led to successful aircraft. Uh, that was shown through congressional investigations, through you know testimony by multiple people who worked at Boeing that, uh, you know, Boeing had submitted incomplete work. It it hadn't finished its own evaluation of the software that ultimately uh, caused the crash.
0: How complicit is um, or was uh, Mullenberg and the senior executives at Boeing for this catastrophe?
1: It's, it's a really interesting question. I, I, what ultimately happened in the investigation uh, was that Muhlenberg was very harshly criticized uh, and uh, the company paid a, a, a fine. Uh, there were two uh, low-ranking pilots who were scrutinized. Ultimately, one was charged uh, and they were uh, looked at for representations they'd made to the FAA. However, even after the, even before the second crash, Dennis Mullenberg was well aware of the, um, of the misgivings that these uh, pilots had about how much information they'd shared with the FAA, and it's it's at that point where you can really start to look at Mullenberg's behavior and, and ask um, why didn't he get to the ground truth of what happened? Why didn't he ground the aircraft after the first crash? And really, why didn't the uh, why didn't the government investigation look at uh, you know a potential fraud case against Mullenberg and other executives who were making these representations to their investors and to the public that the the max was a safe plane
0: is your book angry I mean you don't you you don't look an angry guy you don't sound angry but you don't sound happy with this story it's not a a story that that ends well is it I mean obviously you have Uh, catastrophic crashes that those are given but it's not as if you're suggesting Boeing hasn't cleaned shop on this
1: Uh, I I mean, it it was a, it was a, it's a, it's a, ultimately it's a sad, you know, story. It's, it's a, it's a frustrating story uh, because you, you look at, uh, I looked at what might've been, you know, what, what might've happened. There were opportunities to prevent these tragedies. And um, it's a personal story for me because I um, started covering Boeing more than 20 years ago. And that was a point when Boeing was um you know flying high and it, it had a uh more than 60 percent of the aircraft market was widely respected and that's when i um got to know some of the executives running boeing and i i became convinced and other people i talked to uh, became convinced that um these executives were really in thrall of uh the general electric style of management uh, which is ultimately cost cutting and and the bottom line
0: so can we blame jack welsh for all this
1: uh, read the the book. Yeah, right, you can read the, the show, book and, and, the and see the man who uh, killed
0: American capitalism. So, you know, it's,
1: that's yeah, it's no, it's no, coincidence that David, David, David Gellis, who wrote that book also, um, covered Boeing and, and wrote about the the tragedies. And I, it's no coincidence that another reporter looked at this story, looked very deeply at this story and found that if you follow the chain of events, it, it leads back to, this shift in the culture of the company. It went from being an engineering first, engineering dominated company, to finding ways to remove senior engineers, to change the structure so that there were fewer checks and balances.
0: So are, are you suggesting, um, are you suggesting, Peter, that in a way this tragedy is a parable of American capitalism?
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good way of putting it. I, it's. Um, another uh book that's out recently is um D- david enrick's uh servants of the damned about uh big law firms and how they've yeah we had him on the show yeah yeah and and that's a you know that's a fascinating story too and it's a, a firm like jones day which had this uh you know in the in the book there's an example of uh uh, of a gas explosion in Cleveland and the, and the, the firm you know, con- convinces the gas company to do the right thing. Um, and and that, was, uh, that, that example stuck with me because that's what I found in researching Boeing, that you had cases deeper in its history where Boeing did the right thing and, and it had a crash of a 747 in 1985 and within a month admitted fault. Um, Boeing had the opportunity to do that with the first MAX crash and did not.
0: Were the problems or are the problems with the 737 also a reflection of cost cutting of what some people might call neoliberal strategies in terms of the management of Boeing, of a focus exclusively on profitability?
1: Yeah, people yeah, people call it late stage capitalism. Uh, it's you, you always can... called late stage right. capitalism.
0: It was <laughs> even called late stage <laughs> capitalism 100 years ago, Peter, but when I know right. what you
1: mean right what when will when will this stage end is the question. Um, but very should we call it very late stage right <laughs> And then eventually very, very late. Um, but um, you you saw that even with the messaging from the um, management of Boeing to the to the board that when the max was proposed, the selling point was that the max would, Uh, Be very cheaply produced that and and the the tagline to the board and the presentation was um, stingy with a purpose, and the engineers that I talked to for the book um, said that that mentality filtered its way through the program that when they uh, proposed um, a safety enhancement, uh, it was shot down. And the idea uh, that the, the message repeatedly from management was, uh, you know, that any change had to buy its way onto the airplane so that, you know, any changes were inextricably linked to the costs.
0: Yeah. and Listening to you on this makes it an even sadder, more outrageous parable, given that the two crashes, one was in Jakarta and in Indonesia, the other in Ethiopia. Um, so... The people who lost their lives the people who were hurt most by this obviously a long way from seattle in the developing world is that coincidental peter
1: well it's i, I suppose what you're getting at is is what, what, what was the the management of those airlines yeah i mean just they, listening to yeah. you
0: the the fact that i mean the the, the max is wasn't there you know high-end expensive it was the it was the mass-produced um, airplane that presumably they sold to Ethiopian Airlines or Indonesian Airlines, who themselves were also in the cost-cutting business. So, it extends down the line, and ultimately there is this catastrophe.
1: There, there was uh, it, you. You could make the case that uh, there there were contributing factors. You know, certainly um, in Indonesia, that the Indonesian Airlines um, had you know, been cited multiple times by international regulators for their maintenance practices. There were um, some, you know, maintenance steps that people criticized, you know, Lion Air for not completing later, um, but the, and and it was interesting that Boeing uh, took, you know, took that to such an extent that they put out a press release after the um, initial Indonesian report that, you um, explicitly said that the chain of errors started, you know, at, at the airline. Um, however, mm-hmm. the Ethiopian crash showed that uh, the, the airworthiness directive, that the, the steps that Boeing claimed that pilots would be able to follow were not able to be followed. And there were, uh, you know, many pilots in the U.S., you know, solely among them American Airlines, who, who said that, you know, given that, set of a set of um, circumstances they would have struggled to, to control the plane as well I mean ironically
0: Boeing Boeing lost on every front I mean their their losses and quite literally losses they surged apparently to recently to uh, this week the uh, the numbers were announced to three billion dollars of which I think 1.3 billion of those are associated with seven 37 max losses so they paid in every sense Boeing for this mismanagement of this of this aeroplane is that fair
1: yeah it's I mean it's it's stunning it's it's you know it's financial it's it's reputation uh it's you know with the you know jobs of some of the senior executives who who ultimately uh you know Dennis Mullenberg also just recently had to pay a million dollar fine you know for his statements after the first crash um and it's I think that's why it, it it took a long time, even uh, even after the second crash, for for it to sink in with people, you know, just how badly you know Boeing had mismanaged this situation, and 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 really um, now now it's it's what a what a hole it's dug. It's it's you know quite far behind Airbus in in sales, and it, the Max is still not flying in China, which used to be um, you know Boeing's biggest customer for single aisle aircraft.
0: Boeing earnings are coming out this week. How, how, how is Boeing, I, I don't follow its stock. How was how, how the company held up in the markets and broadly uh, over since, since this? 77? Well, it, it,
1: it had, it, it, had, um, it, it was uh, experiencing some of the benefits of, uh, of late, late stage capitalism under <laughs> Mullenberg until 2018 that the stock had almost tripled um, and then even after the first crash the, the stock held up um, but then since the second it's been a, um, a, a drop into the and especially when the pandemic hit that the stock dropped you know well below um, the well, well into the hundreds and, and now it's at it's in the low hundreds from you know as much as 400 a, a few years ago.
0: You talked about the local reaction you're talking to me from Seattle. Anyone who's ever been to Seattle, particularly if you fly in, it's impossible to miss the association, close association with Boeing and Seattle. Seattle Airport seems to be almost like an extension of the Boeing factory. How, how has all this been received, uh, digested in
1: in Seattle? It's, uh, I mean, it's like a friend is has has uh, you know is very sick. It's it's. Um,
0: well, it's not it, so much it, sick as
1: a friend's gone wrong, isn't it? Right, right. You know, betray—it's a betrayal. You know, ultimately, um, it—it—you um, uh, it, know, there, there's a um, phrase. That, you know, if it ain't Boeing, I ain't going. Uh, which which people would proudly say that Alaska Airlines, the local airline, you know, for, for a long time has had a saying on its on uh, the side of its airplane, proudly all Boeing. Um, so you, you, you know, you feel it viscerally you, you know, people who, uh, their, their parents, their grandparents worked for Boeing. Um, and, and it's been a shift from, you know, like all of corporate America, it's, it's gone from being a, a, a sort of a company that had a family feel to a company that. Uh, could move anywhere you know if, if the cost were right and it's and it started doing that it started moving uh, a lot of production to South Carolina um, it's it, it, you know closed a lot of factories uh, in, in this area
0: Is it inviting much late late capitalist critique from local people uh, so, uh, Seattle has always been a um, a, a strong union town, certainly more progressive. Are people seeing this narrative I, I, in the context of a, a broader crisis of American capitalism, at the inability of these huge, unaccountable
1: corporations to behave themselves? Well, so certainly, and and um, I mean, one example is that you know Boeing was given a huge you know tax break to locate uh triple seven uh a a new version of the triple seven uh locate production here and ultimately which is a a
0: higher end product obviously than the 730 yeah
1: and ultimately that uh work has gone to south carolina so that's another example of the betrayal um you, you 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 find you know people here you know look at um a company like amazon which you know certainly has uh some issues that people talk about in terms of labor to but one big mildly, difference, right? <laughs> but one big difference with amazon is that um they haven't you know for 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 many many years um jeff bezos and amazon didn't do share buybacks they they reinvested their profits into the into the company and boeing you know under its uh current management has taken the opposite approach and at, at one point uh, in the development of the max, it was sending, it was spending 80% of its free cash on, on dividends and, and buybacks. So it, they've, you know, as I said, people have felt it. They felt that the money is going to shareholders. It's not going to workers in the community, uh, the way it did in Boeing's early days.
0: Yeah. You mentioned Mulholland, who you even suggested, M- Mullenberg. Make, uh, sorry, M- Mullenberg, the former CEO Maybe I don't know if there's a criminal investigation, but he is compromised on, on many fronts. Looking at him, for people watching, he looks like the classic white, faceless male corporate executive. And what's astonishing is that he's been replaced by a guy who looks almost like his twin, David <laughs> Calhoun. What's going on at Boeing? Why don't they get it? Why can't they reinvent themselves?
1: They're, they're both cut from the GE. Stamp is the is the the. They, the look, like they look
0: like twins. When I was putting the slides together, actually, of Calhoun and and Mullenberg, I had to check a couple of times because it looked to me like I was putting the same slide up.
1: Yeah, and and they they you know Cal, Calhoun has tried to um, you know he's realized that safety at this point is paramount, and Boeing can't stand another crash. So well, it so should always has, be paramount. I mean, if you're manufacturing aircraft.
0: Uh, you would I you mean, would think that, but you for, have to for say many that years, that's a problem,
1: right? It, yeah, well, yeah, exactly, and that and that's as people pointed out, you know, the the fact that uh, safety wasn't mentioned in the annual proxy statement for several years, and then suddenly, you know, uh, once Calhoun took over, appeared, you know, dozens of times, you know, there there wasn't a safety committee on on the board, and and Calhoun, like like a lot of Boeing managers uh, in recent years, has come from ge he cut his teeth with with jack welch um and uh you you also see you know more recently uh in talking about a new version of the the max boeing wants to have uh new versions um certified with older flight control systems even though a uh congressional law you know they're looking at
0: this certification so you're saying that they even haven't learned now on the max
1: yeah, and, and and what what I was going to say is that Cal- Calhoun, in talking about that, um, you know, made the claim that uh, it's a it's a documentation issue. It, it tells you it's not the product. You know, it's 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 not the product. It's just processes. And it it, it was a comment that it, you know again seemed to dem- denigrate the regulators who. Are, are not you know just trying to get Boeing to check boxes they, they want uh, you know ac- according to you know some great reporting by Andrew Tangel at The Wall Street Journal and others they, they want Boeing to uh, complete its assessments of the plane to complete the human factors assessments that they're you know um, supposed to be doing with great rigor. We did a show
0: earlier this week with not Jack Welsh David Welsh who has a new book out on Mary Barra and GM charging ahead. Calls it the reinvention of an American icon. Um, I don't know whether Boeing needs a female CEO, but they certainly need a reinvention. Do they need to reinvent their brand, Peter? Do you think is it that serious the crisis there? I th-
1: I mean it's one one strain of thought I've I've heard is that they um, they have they have never recovered from uh, the 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 loss of Alan Mulally, who went to Ford, you know, ultimately, this was somebody who, um, you know, understood how to motivate people and understood the need to, uh, you know, also, uh, reach out to workers and communities better than other people. Um, so, it, it, you know, I, some of the reporting in the book is that I, you know, at the time that Mulally was being considered for the job, uh, it ultimately went to Jim McNerney. who was another, uh, jack welch protege does he um, does he
0: is he tall with blonde hair and he, he
1: is he's uh he look he would if you put his picture up he would look uh, a bit like those two uh, what Callum are these
0: guys him. like i um you must have interviewed them and talked to them are they as bland as they look
1: uh they 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 tend to be robotic and in, in public dave calhoun has done you know very few uh unscripted appearances with reporters um dennis mollenberg if if there was a criticism it's that he uh presented well but it it, it was sort of polished and and practiced and i, I very I, I business school lots yeah. of powerpoints yeah I, I talked to a recruiter you know who had had a dinner with uh, jim mcnerney and was expecting that you know he would flash some personality at least in a, in a business dinner and and he he didn't and, and his conclusion was that you know, Jack Welch screwed him up. These were, you know, he, he so we blaming him, everything him on Jack Welch with, with an A shoe. Uh, right. at the, up, Jack Welch
0: right. isn't even here to defend himself. We can't blame everything on Jack Welch, can we, Peter?
1: It's we it's, a of, it's a style. It's a style of management that he right. epitomizes.
0: What about and and again, excuse us. Maybe it's a bit of a dumb question, but you mentioned Airbus. I mean, Airbus is a different kind of company, operated by uh, EU. It's an EU operation, essentially an uh, a a European operation. And even the Chinese now are developing their own uh, airline companies, like Comac. Um, Would it be? I've heard this before. Would it be fair to say that? It's hard for Boeing to compete with companies like Airbus, given that they're supposed to be private, and given the scale of this industry, the amount of capital required.
1: I, you know, I I think that's an argument that Boeing makes. Uh, you that that argument can be made, but on the other hand, Boeing also gets huge. Uh, advantages uh from its defense operation from you know the billions and billions Mm. of dollars that the federal government invests in defense air airbus doesn't have that you know to the same degree and um you know but boeing for several years you know over uh a several year time period spent about 40 billion dollars on stock buybacks so uh that can produce a lot of New aircraft. I mean, if a new aircraft costs ten to twenty billion.
0: So, how does your book, uh, Peter, conclude? Both in terms of this tragedy, and in terms of the mismanagement and management of of, of, of Boeing. I mean, they do some good stuff. They they've got their Starliner, which looks pretty interesting. Um, what would you like to see happen in order to finally close the seven thirty seven chapter? Uh, the max chapter, and also for the company to to move ahead do they simply need new management new thinking
1: that would that would be a great start uh, you know according to the people that i've talked to uh, one thing that they were watching very closely was uh, whether boeing but you know Boeing had moved its headquarters to Chicago uh, many years ago, which was a, kind of a self-conscious uh, move to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to to say that we're creating a, you know, again, GE, sorry to mention it again, but, you know, it's sort of GE style structure that's separate from these individual operating units where we can make these, you, you know, um, decisions about people's future that don't have to, where you would not have to actually live in the same town uh, where we're making these decisions. Um, people were hoping that Boeing would move its headquarters back to Seattle, uh, ultimately the headquarters moved to Arlington, which you know seems to send the message that uh, the earlier move uh, didn't work. But let's try moving again. Maybe this time close to the government, where we can focus on lobbying. Um, it it just it just ultimately what Boeing needs is is the sense that there's a leader who is ethical, who you know is deeply invested in you know, the, the industry that, it, that it's in. I don't, I don't think people have been convinced even that Dave Calhoun is, you know, is interested in producing commercial aircraft. There's a, a lot of discussion about whether the company could ultimately split in two and, and have a, a, a sort of a stable defense side and, and then the commercial side. And that would certainly be a, you know, financially engineering, a financial engineering style approach that you, you could see happening.
0: I mean, GM went bust, um, and it's still not sure. It's still not certain that it will survive. Um, is it conceivable that Boeing will go the way of Detroit, or Seattle's Boeing will go the way of Detroit's car industry? What do the unions say about this? Are they innovative? Do they have a voice? Do they have any
1: power? Uh, the, the union's power has steadily been eroded as, as Boeing has moved uh, work to non-union areas and and uh the the unions in the Seattle area are are i would say resigned you know to the idea that ultimately that the jobs in this area will atrophy over time um and they they do see the parallel here to to Detroit uh at least in terms of aircraft manufacturing um, and um yeah ultimately um it's a company that i don't think is it's too big to fail in in some ways because of the defense side but the the commercial aircraft side is is in question especially if boeing doesn't invest the billions and billions it needs uh to to keep pace in the industry so it's it's a very very worrying
0: story in all seriousness isn't it we we did a show with the the uh the fantasy writer, Veronica Roth, she has a new book out, um, which imagines in, in in the future, a very desolate world. And she places it in Seattle. Maybe it's not surprising. Maybe she read your book about
1: Boeing. Uh, <laughs> um, I would I'd like to read that. Yeah, well, I'm feeling up to it. You
0: need cheering up, Peter. You don't smile enough. I'm not surprised after writing this book, but congratulations. It's a bestseller. It's just out in paperback. It's a really important book. It's, as you suggested, a parable of, of, of late, late stage American capitalism and of the faceless Jack Welsh style characters like Dave calhoun and uh dennis mullenberg who seem to have corrupted it made it rotten so it's important reading congratulations on that what else are you reading i hope you don't only read about aircrafts and boeing
1: no i um i i um i guess the most recent thing i read was was john le carré uh the constant Gardner, oh good. uh which you know I'd, I'd read his spy stuff uh and this was one of the first kind of non you know cold war spy novels i've read and it's it's great it's it's like you know it's a story about you know speaking of companies about skullduggery among drug companies uh the the Mm. book was written 20 years ago but it it feels like it could have been written today
0: yeah i actually saw recently saw the movie of that and the the farmer the farmer industry is again no better off than than any of these industries yeah rereading in Calhoun and uh, uh, not Calhoun, I've got Calhoun on the brain. Right. He's the he's the CEO, Le Carre. And um, you also mentioned that book on
1: uh, on the American.
0: Uh, yeah, Sir,
1: Servants Church. of the Damned by by David Enric. Yeah, that's um, that's just out. Um, and that's great. It's about uh, the ultimately primarily the jones day law firm and and how this law firm uh became you know the uh uber shield uh to uh big big corporations
0: you'll have to watch uh my interview with david he he's quite good and and, and it's a very uh, very interesting interview and and i hadn't thought of it but it actually goes well with your book great yeah I, i'd love to